Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. You got your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 33 and also to Matthew chapter 5. It's Christmas season. Can you believe it? I'm amazed at how fast time goes. And when Thanksgiving's over, if you don't have your Christmas tree up, you are behind. And then it then it gets on you quick. I remember one year, Liz was reminded me that one year we went to Walmart on uh, the day before Christmas or the two days before Christmas or something. <laughs> and got a tree for like five bucks. <laughs> Put it up, <laughs> decorated it, you know, and then took it down in three days, you know. <laughs> but because uh, it got on us so fast. Well, I'm excited about what the Lord's given me this morning. <clears throat> One of the things that we want to make sure that we do here is teach you how to follow God. And uh, we're not interested necessarily in being perfect as far as the show, but we really do want you to learn how to walk with God. So I hope over the last weeks that reading through the scriptures has been helpful for you and your family. I hope you've jumped on that bus. We're probably, uh, we're looking at how we can somewhat continue that in the new year so that we can just continue to grow in the word of God as a, as a group, as a family. And so I'm not going to get into Ephesians this morning because I can't get out of Galatians. And so I'm kind of going to stay in Galatians, and then I'm going to tie it into Exodus, which is um, going to be an interesting road. So you're going to have to follow with me. I'm going to be brief about Galatians if you want a more in-depth uh, teaching on that. Wednesday night last week, we kind of talked about what Paul was doing in Galatians chapter 3. And so what he's saying there is, to bring you up to snuff, is that uh, he is saying to, to the church in that region, so it's multiple churches, he's saying to them that it's not the law that brings you into a place where you can successfully walk with God, but it's the grace, it's grace through the Spirit. It's the power of God through his Spirit that makes you successful. And he says the law was given so that we would understand what sin is and what it means to follow God. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 that he didn't come to take away the law at all, not one punctuation mark out of the law. So is that contradictory? And the answer to that is no, it's not contradictory. Because what Paul is saying is the law doesn't have the power for you to be successful. Only relationship with God, personal relationship, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, and the submission and trust in the ways of God is what makes you successful as a Christian. And so there's no shortcuts, and there's no ability to discipline yourself to do the law, to do what the law says do. It's impossible. You just stay frustrated. So Paul is saying that this is not the way. And so the way is relationship with God. Everybody with me on that? 
And so I'm going to go all the way back to Exodus chapter 33 and just give you just a, just a little bit of history with Moses. We all know the story. But I just want to walk you down my train of thought so maybe you can jump on the bus. <clears throat> Moses knows who he is even though he grew up in Pharaoh's house because his mother was actually his caregiver as a child. Because Pharaoh's family knew who the mama was and brought her in and she, you know, breastfed Moses and did everything else that needed to be done to get him up. So he wasn't totally unaware of his lineage. And then we get to an age, an age of probably accountability. It comes to the conclusion that he wanted to pursue his heritage, which was Messiah, which was the heritage of the Jewish nation, which, if the old testimony is true, is just talking about Jesus. The New Testimony is the New Testament. It's just talking about Jesus, right? And so Moses decides he's going he's gonna to start taking up for the Jews because he wants to be one, and they're the people of God. And so Moses kills somebody this whipping and beating a Jew, right? And then he figures out that he's about to get caught because he's been exposed, and he runs. And he lives in the desert for 40 years. And then he comes across a burning bush that is not consumed. Everybody know the story? And so he has a conversation with God for the very first time through a burning bush that's not consumed. Now, first of all, I want you to really process that because this is not some fantasy story that we're watching on television. This is the truth of the word of God. That there's a voice that comes in and around a bush that is burning and is not consumed. And Moses begins his relationship there, and he gets instruction to go rescue the people of God. And because it's so far-fetched, I would assume, Moses obeys. And he throws down the stick, and God shows some miraculous things to Moses, gets his attention some more, as if a burning bush that didn't consume with a voice coming out of it wasn't enough. God did a few more things. And so then he goes, and he has all these conversations with God and with Pharaoh, and he gets instruction, and everything that he said was going to happen that God told him to tell Pharaoh about, happened until the point where Pharaoh let the people go. And the message from God was, let my people go. And Pharaoh finally agreed to let his people go, and then Moses brings them across the wilderness. They come to the edge of the Red Sea, and then the enemy of God is consumed in the Red Sea as the people of Israel are baptized by it and come through the other side which is a picture of the renewed life through Christ and baptism, comes to the other side and are heading toward the promised land. But the people are stiff-necked and so on and so forth as they walk around the desert. Now, 
in that process, Moses gets the law. And the law, Paul says in Galatians, was intended so that we would understand what sin was. It wasn't intended ever to give you power to be successful. It was there so that you would know what was righteous and what was not. And so Moses begins to meet with God. Now, what's really interesting to me, and this is what I want you to grab on. Here's your first point. Moses has all this history with God. And he comes to the place where he's got the tabernacle set outside the city, and he begins to meet with God. And this is what he says to God. God, you say you're going with me, but I don't really know who you are. Who are you? And, and what, who, who are you going to send with us? I, I want to know you. Show me your glory. Show me who you are. Show me the intimate details of who you are so I'll know. Now listen, that desire should never change in those who believe. We all should have that same desire to want to know our God. And the thing that, that really just grips me is the fact that all this history and Moses still doesn't think that he knows his God. And I think so many people struggle with somebody else's relationship with God and how close other people look like they are with Lord, with the Lord and how, how you know, needy they seem to be in their relationship with God and how much they feel like they don't know the Lord like somebody else might. They feel inferior, which so many people do. Maybe this is you. That feels inferior with your relationship with God, and you just say, God, I know all these people. They really know you well. Pastor Alice, Michael, or whoever it might be, the drummer. The drummer even knows the Lord better than me. Yeah? Electric guitar player. And you have this inferiority complex about your relationship with God. I think Moses was there. So this is what I want you to understand. If Moses was there and God revealed himself to Moses, don't you think if you'll ask, God will do the same to you? He will, he will reveal himself if you'll just begin to pursue him and be desperate for him and, and be infatuated with him. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your glory. God, show me your glory. And I say that to tell you that the Lord wants to do that very thing. He wants to anoint you with his Holy Spirit so that his Holy Spirit can reveal his glory. And if you'll pursue him, he'll reveal it to you. Now, here's the truth. He's only going to reveal what you believe about him. What you believe about God is what he's going to show you. What you put God in a box in, he'll stay there until you want to see more, until you ask him for more, until you're infatuated for more. So why don't you look to the person to your left and to the right and say more. I want more. You need more. <laughs> you can get more. 
How many would say right now, I really would like to know God in a better way? How many would say that across the planet? I think, I think that's all of us desire. So I'm going to read this, this passage in, in Matthew chapter 5 to start with. And then I'm going to flip back to Exodus 33 and close, and close it out. Matthew chapter 5, there's an interesting uh, place in Scripture where, where Jesus begins to say, give the Beatitudes in chapter 5. In verse 3, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed, happy, happy, very, very supremely happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's, that, that's all there. And then, and then in verse 17, he says, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill them. I'm the answer to them. And so he says, here's the Beatitudes. Here's the truth about the law. I am the fulfillment of the law. I am the one who's going to give you power to actually do the law. Not because you're doing it in your own strength, but because you're going to be in relationship with me. And I am going, I am that, and so that's going to happen in you if you walk with me. That's the deal with Christianity. That's what makes Christianity so much different than any other thing outside of the fact that we're the only religion in the world that has a Savior that's raised from the dead. And there, and there has been an atonement for sin. The other thing is God lives in us, Emmanuel. And so there's the presence of the Lord that lives in us and it gives us the ability to fulfill the law because Jesus is the law. Let me just explain that real quickly again. In Galatians chapter 5, there's the fruit of the Spirit. Are you familiar with the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, all those things. It's impossible for you to obtain those things in a godly manner without the Spirit of God. In other words, you've heard me say over and over again, I don't want to ever hear you pray for patience. That is a false doctrine and teaching. Quit listening to that garbage. It's impossible for you to have more patience without Jesus. So your prayer should be, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I want to pursue you. I want to know you. I, I, I want to, I'm infatuated with you. Show me your glory. Show me your presence. And when the presence of the Lord comes on you, it will manifest patience. It will manifest goodness. It will manifest love. It will manifest peace. It will manifest self-control. It's not your fruit. It's the Spirit of God's fruit. And as the Spirit of God lives in you, you will produce the Spirit's fruit. Yes? You, you tracking with me? Okay, so sandwiched in this thing that says Jesus is saying, I didn't abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. In other words, in me, through me, through my spirit that I'm going to pour out on you, you're going to be able to fulfill the law because I fulfill the law. There's everything, there's nothing about the law that I have not obeyed. I am the only one who's done it. And so in me, 
you can fulfill the law if you walk with me. And so that's sandwiched. There's this few verses sandwiched in between the Beatitudes and the whole idea that Jesus didn't come to destroy the law just to fulfill it. And that is this. It starts in verse 13. I think I've got it on the... No, I probably didn't. Did I give that to you? Yes, I did. You are the man. Jesus says to the church, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that, you, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Oftentimes, when we think about good works, we're thinking about doing good deeds. And that's not actually what this verse is talking about, although it includes it. It's similar to the Spirit being in us and obeying the law and then being able to obey the law without the Spirit. You can't do it without the Spirit, nor can you do good works without the Spirit that glorify the Father. The only thing that glorifies the Father is the glory of the Father, right? Are you tracking with me? So if salt loses its saltiness and it's being compared to you, what is he talking about? How does a believer lose his saltiness? And then why wouldn't that be any good? Well, let me just tell you what your saltiness is. Your saltiness is the image of God. Your saltiness, you're an image bearer of God. And so if you lose your ability to bear the proper image of God, you are losing your saltiness. Your light is not your good works. If Jesus doesn't build the house, you labor in vain. You're, you're doing good things, but they aren't bringing glory to the Father because you're not doing them out of the power of the Holy Spirit, and so you're not representing God the way he wants to be represented. Let me just give it to you a different way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're talking about spiritual gifts. There's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and there's a list in chapter 12 of all the spiritual gifts, not all of them, but most of the spiritual gifts. It's also in Ephesians 4 and Romans as well. But, there's a list of spiritual gifts, and it lists all these spiritual gifts that come as the Spirit of God indwells the believer. But then it says this, if you begin to operate in those gifts without love, you're a clanging cymbal. You're a gong. You're not bringing glory to God. Now, this is what I want you to understand. Did they operate in the gifts? They did, but they did not represent the Lord well because they didn't bring him glory, because they weren't operating out of his presence. 
which is an interesting concept that I don't have time to teach on today, but this is what I want you to understand. He says, if you, if you prophesy, but you do it without love, if you, if you have a word of knowledge, but you do it without love, love is the character and the nature of God. It's who he is. And so that's what we're supposed to represent. Now listen, light is not good works, although it includes good works. The light is your testimony of being transformed by your working in relationship with Jesus. That's how you bring glory to God. How you bring glory to God is be being transformed into the image of God until his glory. And so his glory begins to shine through you and me because we're, we're, we're being conformed to his likeness. So we stay salty. Yes. So we're the salt and the light. And so Jesus says this, take your testimony of your knowledge of me and your time with me and your transformation with me, put that on a hill so that all the world can see, so they'll know my good works through you. They'll know who I am, and it'll bring glory to the Father. You don't need Jesus to feed the hungry. You don't need Jesus to buy Christmas presents for West Stanley Christian Ministry. Is it a good work? It is. But that's not what you're putting on a hill. What you're putting on a hill is how you are being transformed into the image of God into the image of Christ. And you put that on a hill and you let that light shine. You don't put it under a bucket. You don't hide it. You begin to let your light shine among men so they'll know that you've been with Jesus. That's what they said about the disciples. The, the testimony of the people said about the disciples, they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. So this Christmas, we want to love and we want to shine on folks. But what we want to shine on them is the character and nature of God. That word actually good, when it's mentioned good works and the word good is going to be mentioned here in Exodus chapter 33, actually has a moral context that you would do righteousness, that there would be a moral integrity about everything in your life. And the only thing moral, the only thing, there's no one good except God. And so it is the goodness of God that we are shining and putting on a hill. There's way too much, there's way too much, I believe in Jesus, you ought to too, because I'm right and you're wrong, going on. And not enough, 
Man, you met me in my mess. He met me in my mess. And I was messed up. And he saved me. And I can't run from him. And his love is amazing. And I'm learning more and more about him every day. And I'm infatuated with him more now than I was when I first started. And he loves you. And his plan for you is good if you'll just go after him. It's tender. It's gentle. It's kind. It's merciful. It's not puffed up. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant. It's not self-righteous. In Exodus chapter 33. Let's go down to 12. And then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. So God is telling Moses that Moses has found grace in his sight and that he knows who he is. He created him before the foundation of the world. He knows who he is. He says, now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Show me your way, God. I want to trust in that. I want to know that, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight, power to do what you want me to do that I can't do on my own in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. The same is true for you and me today. There's no way for people to know about God or about who you claim to be outside the presence of God. Moses said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, how will they know I'm yours? If God's presence doesn't go with you, how will they say I'm yours? All of us know people who pray in tongues and who, who, who worship on Sunday like crazy, and then they get out of church and they're just the meanest, contrary individuals on the planet. How will they know? They don't know because you can pray in tongues better than everybody else. 
They don't know because you can jump and holler and shout more in church than anybody else. They know because the character and the image of God, because you're salty when you go out and when you do your daily business, that the image of God is with you, that the presence of God is with you. That's how they'll know. And the Lord said to Moses, where am I? Yes, I'm, let me go back. Where am I? 20? Yeah, I, I was about to be shorter, but y'all made me be longer. And so we'll go with 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I'll also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. And then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. What's he going to make pass before Moses? His goodness. What are we supposed to shine to the world? Goodness. His goodness. So all the world, so that we will bring glory to the Father. It's the goodness of God, it's the presence of God that moves with us, that is the light, that is the saltiness in our lives. And then he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to you to whom I will be gracious. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and, and you, you stand right here on this rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. Go to 34, verse 5. So the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed Jehovah, Jehovah, God, merciful and gracious and long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. God begins to describe his goodness. And he's saying to you and me, he's saying to you and me, put your light on a hill. Don't put it underneath a bucket. Let your light shine before men so that you bring glory to the Father. Again, I'm going back to what Paul said. Paul said there's only one way to do it, church. And we're going, we're going to attack, attack, attack until you get comfortable praying and knowing the word of God. Because there's no substitute. You can play church all day, but there's no substitute from being infatuated with the presence and the nature of God, to know who he is personally so that 
you can represent him well. You do that through schedule. You do that through your tie. You do that through prayer and intercession. You do that through invitation. Father, if Moses knew you, I want to know you. If Pastor Brandon knows you, I want to know you. If the electric dick tar player knows you, certainly I want to know you. Yes? Are you infatuated with God? Do you have a desire to really know him? And do you want to emulate him? Do you want to please him? Do you want to do good? Do you want people to see his goodness in you? There's only one way. Unless the Lord go with you, don't go. Amen? Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, it's Christmas. In the United States of America in 2017, and that word has many meanings. And Father, I just confess right now that Busyness and stress and selfishness cause me to be unsalty. And I just want to be a light to the world this season that brings you glory. So, Father, I pause. We pause, and there's just a spirit today from the beginning of worship, God. There's, there's, this, there's this idea, Lord, that you want to fill us full of your spirit this morning. There's a pause. There's a peace. There's, there's just this sobriety that says we need our God. Unless you go with us, Lord, there's no way we can do a good job. And so this Sunday morning, your people, God, who are called by your name, they humble themselves and they pray and they turn from their wicked ways and they know when they do that that they'll hear, that you'll hear from heaven and that you'll heal our land, the land in our own lives and the land in America. So let it start here, Jesus. I thank you, God, for a recalibration. 
going into the Christmas season. That we want to be a light. That we want your glory to shine. I thank you for the opportunities. I thank you for West Stanley Christian Ministries and the opportunity it gives. I thank you, Lord, for a hope match and the opportunities it gives. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that every moment we see another opportunity other than those to share the love of Christmas. Without love, we're a clanging symbol. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Why don't you greet four or five people around you and you tell them more. I want more of Jesus. I want more. I want to be infatuated with Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.